Let's give Jim a hand. Yeah. Steve, Steve asked me if I'd talk about discipleship a little bit and kind of yeah. give my testimony as how I got the discipleship. Uh, I have to really go all the way back to when I got saved, yeah. which is quite a few years ago. <clears throat> Some of you probably weren't even born at that time. Um, I went through quite a bit of struggle back in the 70s, <clears throat> and 1979 is when I accepted the Lord as my Savior. So it's... Uh, January of 1979, January, February. I don't really know the date exactly because I was pretty, things were pretty messed up for me. So, uh, but what happened in my life at that time was the the church that I was at, uh, they had a bus. I don't know, some of you know what Youth for Christ is. And they had a bus ministry that went to Youth for Christ every Saturday, which was over in. uh, I don't know, Johnson County. I can't remember the exact place, a corner of Wyanda County. But anyhow, um, they asked me, I was 24 years old at the time, and they asked me if I would start driving a bus or drive the bus because it was full of teenagers. And, and the guy that was driving it was getting old and uh, wasn't handling the kids very well and was having trouble with them. And so they had about 50 kids on the bus. So we had two buses actually going from over where we lived at, over on 82nd and State Avenue. Uh, we took about 100 kids to Youth for Christ every Saturday night from that area. So um, that was a, it was a good thing for me because number one, it kept me away from my, my party buddies and my drinking buddies and all those people that were, were going to pull me away and it gave me some responsibility. But one thing it did do, uh, I guess the main thing that the Lord used it for was the, I think the kids thought I knew the Bible <laughs> and I'd just gotten saved. I didn't know nothing, uh, no know anything about the Bible at all because my wife and I both Neither one of us were raised in church. I'd never read the Bible, didn't know what it said. Um, frankly, didn't really care. wasn't really on my priority list to to look at. So the kids started asking questions, and and uh, a lot of times. And then I was a hippie. I came out of the '70s, long hair. Doesn't look like it now, but yeah, probably longer than most any of the women in here. Um, but they kept telling me to get my hair cut. I said, Jim, you need to get your hair cut. So for whatever reason, I would just hand them my Bible and says, well, show me. Where does it say I need to get my hair cut? And they really couldn't find anything. And uh, a lot of times we ended up in the Old Testament with the Nazarite vow where it says not to cut the, the priest is not to cut his hair or shave his face. So it's like, see there, I don't have to cut my hair. So they, they didn't know what to do. They were pretty dumbfounded about it, too. And then speaking in tongues was kind of the big issue of the day back then. So, um, and I didn't know any different, any better. But there were several um, young men that were on the bus with me. Uh, one of them you might know. Uh, He's a missionary now over in, in Vietnam, Doug Pearson. He he was a, a teenager, rode that bus. Mike Beatty, I don't know if you guys know Mike Beatty or mm-hmm. the name, and then Larry Grissom, maybe. You know, he's a pastor at a church over in Kansas now. Uh, Jim and Sherry says they rode a bus to Youth for Christ. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. On Facebook. I might have ran into it. <laughs> might have. But it, it, I did it for quite a few years. Uh, I think it was probably from 79 to about 82 or 83 that I did that. But the kids kept asking questions, and then when, when Ann and I got married, um, we both had questions. Neither one of us knew the Bible. 
so one day we went to the pastor of our church over there and we sat down with him and I started asking him all these questions that the kids have been asking me because I wanted to be able to answer them and uh, we sat there for an hour uh, he never opened up his Bible and we got in the car and we, we looked at each other and said did he ever really answer our questions huh. and uh, honestly he didn't hmm. he's a good good preacher he was um, evangelistic messages every Sunday um, but doctrine was pretty pretty light um, and trying to understand scripture as far as I go was pretty pretty light as far as I was concerned uh, and I give him a lot of credit because the man was there for had been there well just before I came and he's I think he still pastors that church today and, it, and they, they run about 100 150 people they're still still going and a lot of people that I went to high school with go to that church so I kind of know them. Mm-hmm. so it's it's uh, it was my heart to see something happen there. But I I wanted to know what the Bible said about even the littlest thing. I mean, hair, long hair, what, what's the deal? You know, people made a big deal about it. A lot of churches did, and speaking in tongues. And then Larry Grissom, one of the young men, uh, what the kids did, typically when they met at Youth for Christ, I mean, Youth for Christ would have two or 3,000 high school students show up every Saturday night. And they'd have several messages. They had some good music preaching and stuff. <clears throat> it was on TV, wasn't it? I think it was on TV too for quite a while. And uh, which was really it was pretty cool and I had a lot of fun with it. I enjoyed the kids. Uh, I, since I was young enough I could really have a good time with them and we would go for pizza and stuff afterwards. Yeah. Uh, but Larry Grissom and well and a few others uh, since they met their friends there from I mean it was from all over Kansas City area. I mean you're talking Raytown, North Kansas City and just all these kids would come. And so what they did during the week was they would go to their, their friend's church if they had an event going on. They would go there, and they would go. I mean, as high school students, I remember I traveled all over Kansas City area. It wasn't nothing for me to be from Kansas City, Kansas, to clear to, to Lee Summit, Missouri. Uh, I had no problem traveling around. So, uh, And my parents didn't know where I was at half the time anyway, so it didn't matter. But anyway, the, the kids... Uh, visited the church and they saw what happened uh, Larry Grissom and Mike Beatty actually went to KCPT for a Monday night Bible study and Larry approached approached us and said man you got to come to this Bible study and I'm like what's the deal and he says well they uh, there's probably 100 people 150 people showing up at the Bible study on Monday night and the pastor would just when they'd ask, somebody would raise their hand ask a question and he'd open up the Bible and just lay it out and uh so the first time I wasn't able to go, but my wife, she was pregnant and had a little little baby at the time, and, and Larry actually came and picked her up and took her to the Bible study and then brought her back home. And so when I got home, I asked her, I said, what did, what did you think? And uh, she says, you just got to go. <laughs> she couldn't describe it, really. Yeah. So we finally got to go, and some of the questions we had, people would raise their hand and, and ask the question, and it, Sure enough, there are the questions that I had that I wanted to know about and, and learn. And so for that whole time, uh, we went for a year before I decided to join. She was ready to join the next week, but uh, I, I wanted to wait to see what God would do. And uh, But questions about hair, speaking in tongues, all that stuff. I mean, they just opened up the Bible and went to the verses, and it's, it was amazing to me. And I thought it was just the neatest thing because... We could do that, and then they they just started. They had 
I think a, maybe a year or two before I came, they started their discipleship ministry. It wasn't uh, at maybe 1981 or 82. I can't remember the year. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've got in. I don't. I didn't bring a lesson, but most of you guys have been through D1, I think, haven't you? Mm -hmm. uh, and Kelly's got one. Yeah. We have those 16 lessons is what we use today. Well, back then, it was eight sheets of paper, um, eight, eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper was one, each lesson was on. This is the first day. Finally, they developed the others. So, uh, but it, it was it was a pretty good, pretty good deal. It, it, for me, it was good to have that one-on-one -on -one time, sitting down with somebody, asking questions, uh, going through a lesson, even though it was really basic. Um, it helped me to understand what the Bible had to say and, and, and learn how to, to read it, just to open my mind up to the fact that, hey, the Bible has the answers, and you just have to find it and read it. And so discipleship, to me, was that was a part of it in importance. Uh, my wife and I, I believe it was 1983, we got discipled uh, by Mark and Lisa Lockwood, if you see them hanging around out here. I think they discipled Steve and Angie also. Ten years later, yeah. Yeah, so, so it's there's a it's a process, but it's it, it's an enjoyable process, really, if you want to learn the Bible. And I think God answered our prayer because we had gone to this pastor, and he never opened up the Bible. And I think God directed us to uh, KCBT to, to somebody that would open up the Bible because we went to other churches. There used to be full faith of love. I don't know if any of you probably don't even know that one, but it was over in Johnson County. It was a charismatic church. Um, they never spent much time sitting in their chairs. Um, they were up with their hands up in the air and speaking in tongues and all kinds of things. And and Anne at the time was pregnant, and uh, she couldn't hardly get out of the chair, and they gave her some pretty weird looks because she wouldn't stand up. But anyhow, uh, but we had fun. It was it was a time we were searching and looking, and we went to a lot of different ones. We, we visited different places to see, and um, that's why we ended up at KCBT. But I didn't end up there until... I think you lost one of your microphones, oh, Jim. I did. Until um, a year later, like I said. And actually, that was at a Bible conference. Or not a... Um, yeah, it was Bible conference. Not a Bible conference. It was... Um, well, kind of. It, what they used to do, they used to go to Old McDonald's Farm up in St. Joe, up by Savannah, Missouri. And we used to go up there and spend the whole week. And they'd have preaching in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. And uh, you stayed there the whole week. Um, but Jeff Adams happened to come that particular, that was his, he was still missionary in, in uh, El Salvador. But he came and preached the Bible conference. And I remember exactly, he preached on men, mission, and missionaries out of the book of Acts. He laid that whole thing out, and, and at the end, he was basically said, you know, if, if you're here and, and you're kind of on the fence about either getting involved in men or missions and, and doing things, you need to make up your mind. And, and God just spoke to my heart to say, hey, you need to, you need to make that decision to get over and, and go do what God wants you to do. So we finally decided to leave that church that we were at and go to KCBT, which was 22 miles one way every time we went um, but uh, it was enjoyable and I learned the learned the Bible um, they didn't ha really have a formal D2 program at the time or ministry or teaching um, 
mostly on Monday night Bible study, the pastor would go through uh, most of the D2 material that we teach here. He kind of taught through that in a, in a eight or nine month period and then would go back to question and answer Bible study. So it was really um, enjoyable for me and just the fact I wanted to know what the Bible had to say about things. And I think discipleship helped in that aspect of it and made it uh, important. Um, I just want to give you a little bit of scripture um, if you have your Bible and you want to turn over to the book of Exodus in chapter 8 and then I'm going to go to a couple other places uh, this is a verse that kind of came out of a little bit of back then this is a, a verse that God just put on my heart a long 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 time ago in, in Exodus chapter 8 and, and verse I don't know 25 or so we'll start but but the book of Exodus you know we teach it as as it, it's the doctrinal doctrinally or historically it was the nation of Israel running away from Pharaoh he was they were trying to get away and and go to where God the promised land that God gave to him but also the book of Exodus doctrinally is a picture of the Jew in the tribulation period running from the Antichrist and Pharaoh's the type of the Antichrist but the third thing spiritually it also pictures uh, a Christian that just got saved and somebody's just accepted Christ and trying to, to get to where they're following the Lord and serving him and just as I heard this preached one time and it just I mean this this verse is just kind of stuck with me and I this is where it's at for me but in, in verse 25 he says and Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said go ye uh, sacrifice to your God in the land and Moses said it is not met so to do for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God lo shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes and, and will they not stone us and he says we will go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he shall command us and Pharaoh said I will let you go that ye may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness only ye shall not go very far away and he says entreat for me and right there in, in the verse 20 it's really where it got me uh, Pharaoh being a type of the devil uh, he says I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness and to me that was a picture of somebody that got saved and the devil said okay go ahead and get saved you know I'll let you go I'm not going to hold you back but he says in the last part of this verse he says only you shall not go very far away and entreat for me so the devil he's okay with you getting saved but he says don't go very far away with it don't go don't make it you know the most important thing in your life and he says you just have to be careful with that the devil doesn't want us to make following the Lord Jesus Christ the most important thing I mean, he doesn't want us to get saved either, but he'll let us get saved, and, and we have to make up that decision to follow the Lord. And, you know, you probably know a lot of people that have gotten saved over the years. I've known a lot of people that have gotten saved, but they're they're not in church anymore. They're out in the world back where they were. Uh, and some people will question, well, did they ever get really get saved? I don't. I don't question that. It's it's between them and the Lord as far as that goes. But uh, I think a lot of times the devil tries to keep us from going further with and making the steps that God wants us to do. And and that up there at Old McDonald's Farm, I think that's where where God told me. He says, "Hey, you need to make that decision. You need to make up your mind. Do you want to follow the Lord or not?" And so I. 
I try not to let the devil, and over my past 40 years, I've tried to follow and do what God wants me to do. I know uh, my wife's family uh, and my family, too, both felt kind of jilted because uh, I paid more attention to church than I did did to them. And... uh, it was just just that was our choice that was the choice we made and uh, I know my mom and dad weren't weren't saved they didn't go to church they didn't care about going to church uh, when I got saved anyway Uh, her parents were the same way uh, pretty much party drinking you know that kind of stuff Uh, my wife's youngest brother died from from uh, drug and alcohol and then her other brother uh, same thing pretty much so uh, just I just want to encourage you guys to think about where are you at with your relationship with the Lord the devil's going to try to keep you going or keep you from going any further it's not going to mean that you're not saved it just means the devil's trying to stop you and stop you from being effective for the Lord Jesus Christ more than anything else and once you get past that then the Lord I mean Lord will protect you I mean he does protect us all the time but he opens up that door so that you can be that that witness for him so anyway if you want to if you want that verse for yourself that's great because I it's 828 there in, in Exodus to me that just helped me to realize hey I just need to follow the Lord and avoid what the devil's trying to tell me and you know we we have a lot of scripture that we use in our our discipleship and I just in the, in the book of John and you jump over to the book of John uh, and make sure I got the right one uh, John chapter 15 we use this I when I got to preach here a couple about a month ago and I used this little bit of this passage to myself um, and this one in, in, as far as discipleship has always meant a lot to me uh, because it just told me and, and I know it's talking to the apostles but when you look down in John chapter 15 verse 15 uh, he says henceforth I call you not servants for the servant knoweth not what the, his Lord doeth and and the Lord doesn't call us servants anymore uh, he, we're called his, his children basically and we should know I mean parents you got kids your kids ought to know they kind of know what you expect out of them don't they uh, whether or not they're to do this or that or what's good or bad and we ought to know what our father wants from us and he says um, he says I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my father I have made known to you and then verse 16 uh, you have not chosen me but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the father in my name he will he may give it you and especially that part where he's talking about you should go forth and bring fruit bring bear fruit i think that's the main thing that god wants us to do is to bear fruit and spiritual fruit in in the aspect of having spiritual children witnessing to people and then he says that your fruit should remain and i think discipleship is that process to to help people remain to know what the bible says to know what the truth of the word of god is Um, i i for some reason i like to engage um Jehovah's Witness and, and Mormons. It's just, they've always come to my door and uh, I remember the pastor at KCBT was always always had us, he taught us how to 
some of the ins and outs of the different beliefs and stuff like that. So I, I just always thought that was a challenge, but it also was always kind of fun for me. Um, I think as part of my growing up, I always liked my brothers and I always argued with each other, and so um, that was part of the way we were just raised. I don't know why, but we always did. And but it's been uh, not that it's been necessarily profitable for to see anybody get saved but I just like that engagement a little bit and it makes me stimulated to think about what the Bible really says and the truth and to see where maybe there's some some wedges or ways to get in to talk to them and share the gospel and then they regret coming to your house yeah <laughs> right well and and God keeps putting those people in my life I mean there was a lady a Jehovah's Witness that did come to my house uh, years and years ago and for whatever reason they have their rabbit trail that they want to go and down their path and they don't want to deviate from that path but I managed to get this lady to stop long enough to let me take her to the book of Romans in chapter 11 and dealing with the nation of Israel and the restoration of the nation of Israel because I I'd learned that mystery in the Bible from D2 that hey the mystery of restoration of the nation of Israel is very important and they don't have that understanding as a Jehovah's Witness so I was able to get her to look at that verse and she says I've never seen that before which to me was pretty uh, pretty cool that hey God let me show something to her and uh, right now I have uh, um, when I, I drove school bus in Lee Summit for the last eight years or eight years it's been eight years ago I started doing that but I don't do it anymore uh, but anyway there's a, a Mormon man there that has become I don't know him and I have become friends we would go on trips together and stuff and one day I, a few years ago I asked him I says, his name's Charlie he's a real nice guy uh, I just asked him I said, Charlie because you mind if I ask you questions about your, your Mormon belief and he goes no as long as I can ask you questions about yours, I says sure enough. <laughs> so we have we've had interaction, and it's been really, I think it's been good. Um, I learned stuff from him. I actually discipled my wife and I discipled a couple that were Mormons at one time, and uh, he as and I wish I would have marked everything down that I learned from that man uh, as we went through the discipleship material. He he showed me the verses and how they used the verses, and and because we used a lot of those verses in in our in our discipleship material and uh, so that would have been I wish I'd have been paying attention then but that's been 20 years ago so I wasn't quite into it that much and I, don't, I want to take you one other place in, in the book of Acts Acts chapter 13 uh, as far as discipleship goes this this passage here really kind of lit me up a few uh, it's been probably 10 years ago uh, I think um, about discipleship and I just happened to be reading through this and you know, I don't know about you guys but it seems like that's when God shows me stuff when I just happen to read through the Bible you know as you're reading through it and all of a sudden something just jumps off the page and uh, in the book of Acts here in chapter in, in chapter 13 verse 44 um I was reading through this, and I, I just thought this was pretty cool um, because, well, I'll tell you in a minute. But anyway, in verse 44, he says, And the next Sabbath day uh, came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. 
Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, it, is, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. And he's saying, when he says spoken to you, he's talking about being spoken to the Jews, because mm-hmm. that's where it was supposed to go. And then he says, but seeing ye put it from you, and judge, your, judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. And in verse 47 and 48, he says, For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set, set thee to be a light to the Gentiles, that, that thou shouldest be for salvation of the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And what I, what I found interesting to me, anyway, just that in verse 48 there, really, the, Paul and Barnabas are preaching the word of God. They're, they're d- telling people about what, what it says. And they're telling them about eternal life. And Gentiles didn't have an option for eternal life before Christ died. They had, I believe, if I'm right, they had to become a proselyte Jew in order to get into God's family, basically that way. And that wasn't really a good way to do it. Um, but once Christ died on the cross, these, the Gentiles had an option. And especially after you get past uh, the book of Acts and, and into the, through this part here with, the, with Paul, where Paul was sent to the Gentiles to, to share the gospel with them. And in verse 48, it says, And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. And I think about a lot of people that I've discipled over the years, uh, that's what hit me on this verse, is you'll go through teaching them some of the basic principles, especially eternal, eternal life, salvation. For me, when I read, learned about the first lesson on salvation, it was just like a light bulb come on. And it made me realize, hey, uh, I'm in God's family now. I'm no longer in the devil's family. I didn't know I was in the devil's family before, but that lesson just explained that to me and taught me the simple principle that, hey, I'm in God's family. Mm-hmm. And that made a huge difference for me mm-hmm. as as a man that had never gone to church, didn't know the Bible, and, and was learning the Bible. And I think about that with discipleship, and I hope uh, if, if you haven't been through discipleship that you do, and, and that if you've been through discipleship and you're discipling somebody, that you see that light come on in their face when, when they see a principle that, oh man, I, I'm no longer in the devil's family. I, got, I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, now I'm in God's family. And it changes it changed my whole attitude uh, because the way I was living, I was on my way to hell and, and uh, I didn't I was raised, if I did something wrong, I would answer for it. I mean, I would get the punishment. I don't know if Steve was raised that way too, but I mean, if I did something wrong, I, my dad had the belt and I got a spanking and or grounded for whatever period of time, uh, whatever he determined. My dad was a military man. He was uh, army uh, for 20 years, was a drill instructor. So when my dad said, do something, you did it. I didn't question. Uh, I didn't argue with it. And he didn't say, please. <laughs> and so uh, I usually had to. I, Going back to my hippie days, when he came, he was in Vietnam for a year. He came home, I had long hair, and he wanted me to get my hair cut. And I put my motorcycle helmet on and wouldn't let him cut my hair. And so we wrestled around the house trying to get the helmet off of me. And, yeah. So that was that was just the way. I was in that age where I was getting really stubborn about my life. But anyhow, um, to me, just learning these basic principles of the Word of God and, and seeing somebody's life just click... Uh, for me to, to to know that hey I'm in God's family but also I can learn this book 
I can read it. Yeah. Uh, I know I tried to read it several times before I got saved, and the Bible didn't mean a thing to me. Um, I didn't understand it. I didn't care. Uh, but when I got saved, and, and you get the Holy Spirit of God in you, and you start reading the Bible, and it's all of a sudden there's this light. To me, it just kind of comes on. It's, you read it, and it makes sense now. It didn't used to make sense. And having somebody disciple me, take me through discipleship, and help me to to see that uh, was a great thing. One of the things that the pastor did over there at KCBT, uh, because I had a lot of questions, um, he asked me to come in throughout the week whenever I could make it in, and, and he would sit down with me and go over my questions. And he did that for about three or four months. Um, but uh, what was neat was because I would read things, he wouldn't say, oh, no, that's that's just garbage. He, he would take it and, and show me that, hey, God's showing you something. And that's what he did with the Bible was showed me that uh, that God was trying to get my attention on certain things. And there was a couple things that I saw that I, I won't repeat to, because they were just kind of strange. Um, I, I'm a very detailed person. I look at all the... Uh, I'm not a really great reader, but I do pay attention to the words and the details details in, in the Bible and I like that I like numbers and I play around with that stuff and but it helps me when I see little things like this for this verse that the Gentiles heard this and, and they were glad and they glorified the word of the Lord they, when they were happy they, man, they glorified God's word and uh, I know God showed me a lot of things as I was learning uh, the Bible when I first got saved and, and just explaining things to me uh, and when I got into discipleship and started discipling people uh, it was just so exciting to see somebody's life go from, you know, nothing, I guess you want to say, to, to knowing the Lord Jesus Christ and seeing them get into God's Word and, and learn God's Word. And I didn't always have the answers. Uh, it was I was thankful that I had a, a pastor around that I could say, hey, man, they asked me this question, and I don't know, I don't know how to answer it. And that's one thing with discipleship. I always learned that don't be afraid to say, man, I don't know. I'm going to have to get the pastor and, or somebody and, and sit down with them. and Or we could go sit down with them and, and, and have him answer our questions and, and help us to understand it. And I've never been afraid to, to say that because I don't have all the answers to what the Word of God says. Um, I've learned a lot. God's shown me a lot, I believe. And I've been, uh, I feel like I've been blessed in that aspect. I've been saved now for 41 years. And God has allowed me to, to do things that I would never have imagined uh, as, as an unsaved person. I probably, I don't even think I'd be alive. I probably wouldn't be married to the woman that I'm married to now because she probably would have kicked me out a long time ago if I'd have stayed the way I was. Um, but for the both of us to kind of grow together and through discipleship and, and take the time to, to learn. And, and it gave us a purpose in our life to be able to minister to other people and to share the gospel with other people. Um, like Steve said at the beginning, I'm, I'm an introverted person. Uh, I'm a tip originally. Uh, I just... I can do without being in crowds of people, and I don't. I don't need to interact with people. It's just kind of just my nature. Uh, but I believe God has, over my past forty years, made me uh, become that interacting with people. But uh, my wife is is really great. We, we'll go. We travel a lot. Um, because our kids are scattered across the United States, but she will she will always be the one with the tracks in her purse, 
and she'll shove one in my hand when when we are at, at the dinner table and when we're done to, to give the tip or the money to the waitress or maybe there's somebody well we ran across a guy I, just one that sticks in my head we were down in North Carolina and we went to get gas and go to the Burger King there that was serving breakfast and uh, there was a guy standing out front just begging for somebody begging for some money to get food and uh, I, I told him I says I'll take you inside and I'll buy buy your breakfast for you I'm, you know I'm, I wasn't going to just give him the money well while I did that my wife goes and gets a track out of the car and comes back and so we're talking to him and just sharing the gospel with him but it was funny because out of the corner of my eye the gal that was running the cash register she was watching the whole thing and she was she was enjoying it too so it was kind of a cool deal you never know who might be watching you and paying attention to what's going on around you. And I learned that with my job. I was a truck driver for 25 years, and the guys at the warehouse were always paying attention to me. And anybody that went to church, they watched your life to see where you were at. Did you, were you what you said you are? Did, did you lead that life or do they see that hey you're on the weekend Friday night you're going partying with all the other guys but on Sunday you're going to church and you're back at it the rest of the week they paid attention to that stuff and they watched and uh, God gave me several opportunities through that because of I think just simply because of discipleship uh, opportunity to preach a funeral for a guy that had gotten saved there that, that I happened to be uh, used in his life for him to get saved and so I get to preach a funeral for all the management and all the, the workers at AG that came to this funeral so God just allowed that to be a part of that so you never know what God will do with your life as far as discipleship. I know you, uh, he can use you in, in many ways and in a lot of mighty ways, I know. And, and like I said, I've been fortunate through God's word and through discipleship to go. We went to Mexico City to share the, the discipleship ministry with Mexico. I've been to the Philippines, a church over there, to teach them how to disciple people. And... Um, I've never regretted any of it. I've enjoyed every bit of it, and it's been been a great time. So I just want to encourage you guys, if you haven't been discipled, I don't know, Alicia. Alicia. Alicia, I got it right. And, you know, if you guys haven't been discipled or if you're thinking about it, I'd encourage you to get into the discipleship ministry. It'll help you. I want to. It'll it'll help you out. Uh, It'll what you're talking about going yeah. yeah mission trips are I mean and those will be opportunities to share the gospel with people and and, and see lives changed and we don't know what's going to happen with those people I uh, shared the gospel like I said said with a guy that was there in North Carolina I don't know if he ever got saved um, you just you never know what God's going to do with that so I would, used to go to Two Rivers I don't know if Steve ever did you ever go to no Craig did but I know what's happening we used to have a, a ministry that goes to Two Rivers which was the psych, psych ward at, at hey, been there. and I, I used to go just about every other Sunday and uh, I really at first I was scared scared me to death to be honest with you you really did because <laughs> you can't there are oh. special things that happened. Yeah, and I had a great time there. After a while, I got used to it, got comfortable with it. Most of the people where we, they took us to was for alcoholic drug abuse and, and depression and things like that. But uh, there might be one Sunday, there might be five people, and the next Sunday there might be 30 people in, in the, the service for the church. And uh, 
it was really rewarding to me. Uh, I only, I think I've only seen two or three people that, that throughout that that accepted the Lord Jesus Christ their Savior. Um, one guy, uh, one, I, I'll tell this story. Just, I don't know if it has to do with discipleship or not, but. Um, one Sunday, there was probably about 20, 25 people in the, the deal. And uh, there was a guy, gentleman sitting next to me uh, who tried to commit suicide. And he missed. He, he uh, pointed a 357 Magnum at his head and he missed or ricocheted off his skull. And then there was a young lady in the back corner, which I will call her the, the uh, devil, uh, demon woman. And then there, this guy over here, which, I'm, for lack of better words, I always called him the village idiot. Um, village he, idiot. <laughs> yeah, he just seemed kind of not there all the time. But what was really funny, I did my message, and this guy here, he, he asked me the question. He says, you mean if I'd have killed myself, I would have gone to hell? And I said, yes, uh, according to what the Bible says. So he says, well, what do I got to do to get saved? So right there with everybody, I'd started going down the Romans road and just led him to that point. I got to the last Romans 10, 9, and 10 and got done with that. No sooner he, I said that, he got on his knees and he started praying and asking the Lord to come into his heart. Wow. And I'm like, wow. And and. <laughs> And I must, I must have had a big smile on my face because the, the gal, the, the demon lady in the back corner, she goes, what are you smiling about? And the village idiot guy, I call, I, I mean, I, I'm sorry, but, but um, he pipes up and says, he's happy because that guy's getting saved, so you shut up. And I'm like, okay, Lord. <laughs> but, you know, there was times like that at, at there that was just awesome to, to see that happen. So... You never know. He wasn't really an idiot then. <laughs> no. He <was> smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. God, was God used him to defend me, and it was just like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to enjoy this and, and ride along. I don't know what happened to that guy that that prayed and asked the Lord to come into his life. I never saw him again. Um, I prayed that somewhere along the line he was sincere. I believe he was sincere because I think he knew that if he would have connected with the bullet, he would have died and went to hell mm. and he would never, not be here at all in this world today Mars reason it didn't hmm? yeah everything happens for a reason yeah I think God got in there for that reason to hear the, the, the gospel preached one time and and clicked for him and he got saved mm. and I hope he's in a church somewhere following the Lord and doing what needs to be done it would have been to me that would have been exciting to take that man and and disciple him teach him the basics of the word of God and help him to grow to that point um, there's been a few people that I've dis- been able to lead to the Lord and then disciple them and it's really uh, exciting to do that and, and to be a part of that like I said with this verse here in the book of Acts to see that light come on and then they glorify the word of God and they they start discipling somebody later on and that's even uh just as exciting because it's almost, I will, I will say this, it's almost as good as having your own kids and sending your own kids off to school mm-hmm. or to college mm-hmm. and then they get a job and they start they start a family. Mm-hmm. It's almost as fulfilling as that or it's even more so in some ways because here you've got an adult more than likely or even a, a teenager, a high school student uh, that 
is learning the word of God and, and they, they go on and they they start teaching somebody else and they start discipling people and yeah. you see that, that excitement in their life and they're glorifying the word of God and they're doing exactly what these folks did here in the book of Acts mm-hmm. the Gentiles and, and what they were supposed to do and what we should do I think uh, in my mind uh, as far as glorifying God mm-hmm. and, and his word and I just, I don't know, I don't have anything else really to say other than I just want to encourage you guys in that. If, if you're not discipling somebody, or if you haven't been, I uh, would uh, investigate it and, and maybe um, get in it. If you're not saved, uh, get saved. <laughs> um, don't waste any time with that, but get to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, my life was a mess when I got saved, and I was on the on my way to the, who knows where. I'd probably been in jail, who knows, but you never know so um, I avoided a lot of that by accepting Christ I I think I lived in a better time when when the, the law was a lot more lenient on a lot of things that you, today they take you and throw you in jail for so would you take just a minute and talk about your health Jim oh um, well a year ago the September the 1st I uh, went into emergency service uh, surgery. I actually, um, that would have been a Sunday, a Sunday morning on September the 1st a year ago. Um, they took me, my wife took me to the emergency room because I was running a, running a 100 degree temperature and, and she could see a lump on my, underneath my appendix scar on the right side. And um, they, she took me up to, least, uh, to uh, St. Luke's East and uh, they, there wasn't nobody there. Uh, the emergency room was empty, <laughs> which was a blessing. They took me right in. Uh, the doctor, the emergency room doctor, they got me a scan. He says, yeah, there's, there's something there. We don't know what it is. They couldn't tell if a colon was perforated or what. Um, so they called the surgeon, and the surgeon came in and started talking to me. And he says, well, we need to get you set up for uh, surgery. I says, when do you want to do that? And he says, now. He didn't waste any time because if it was a perforated colon, they couldn't waste any time. You'll you'll die. Mm-hmm. Um, so he took me in. They removed a tumor about the size of a baseball, a cancer tumor, and like um, uh, everything went pretty good. They also did some took some lymph nodes, which there was some trace of cancer in some of the lymph nodes, not all of them. So. Uh, I opted not to do chemo at the time. I could have. I didn't. I just, I don't know. I just, I can't bring myself. I didn't have peace about putting chemo into my system. So um, about uh, July, this last July, I went back for a scan and, and they hadn't seen anything, in, or they hadn't seen anything in March. I'm sorry. They did a scan, and then they did another one in July, and they saw a couple of spots on on the. There's a sac called the peritoneum sac that holds your intestines in place, mm-hmm. and on the outside of that, they saw two spots, and he he thought they might be cancer, so he did a, a PET scan. Um, a PET scan is a little bit more intense than a CT scan. It's got a little more radioactive material that gets into your system. And but anyway, with the cancer, the um, with the PET scan, the, the cancer is supposed to light up like an LED light bulb. But it didn't do that. Uh, but he still wanted to do chemo, and, and I, I just opted out. 
and my doctor basically told me, or the oncologist basically told me, if I don't do cancer, I have six months to a year to live. That's what he said. Uh, if I did chemo, I might have two years, maybe three at the most. Uh, but the chemo could also feed the cancer and make it grow. And so I opted not to do it because, I, to me, I'd rather have quality of life with everybody here at church and my family, my kids. I've got eight grandkids. I'd like to be with them and enjoy them. And uh, I've seen, I mean, everybody, most everybody here has seen Gwaine. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not knocking Gwaine, but he was locked up for a year. He couldn't see anybody. And he couldn't be around his kids, his grandkids, or anybody. So um, I just I chose not to to do the chemo. So uh, that's where I'm at right now. Um, God, I, I figure if God wants to keep me, He'll keep me. <laughs> if He doesn't, He'll take me home. I can't lose. I mean, really, quite honestly. And um, so I just I want to stay here and, and do what God wants me to do and and be a part of this ministry and and he's opened up some other doors for my wife and I since we we live in a, an RV and we travel we're we're uh, able to to go to Florida during the winter months and it's good for her she she's not really handling the cold well anymore so um we we go down there, but there's a church there in Ocala, Florida that we. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, we're connected with Ocala, and at the RV parks that I go to, they allow somebody to preach and do a church on Sunday. So that's an opening for me to do if I I can do a basic message. I mean, I don't know if you guys have been to an RV park in Florida lately or not, but I mean, there's there in most of them, um, most everybody there's old. They're 60 years or better. Some of them are even older. While we were there at the one in Florida for the time we were this last winter, um, two men died. Uh, one from. Uh, I don't remember exactly, but anyway, it just kind of put an impression on me that, man, if I'd have done a service, maybe they'd have heard. I don't know if that guy was saved or not. Uh, so we also lost our daughter-in-law uh, in December of last year from brain cancer. Um, she was 39, and uh, she'd had six surgeries for that. And so she had one of the worst. She, well, her and Randy actually... Um, had a lot of conversation together uh, because Randy has the same cancer that she had, mm-hmm. and but it, it, it got her. Uh, it started out not that way, but it, it got worse. She'd had six surgeries to remove the tumors over the year, and it just the last one came back with a vengeance and went to her spine, and that was it. They can't do anything about that. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I just. I'm, I'm I, like I said earlier. I'm blessed. I feel blessed. I feel God. God's given me, you know, 65 years on this earth, and and I'm I'm gonna I want to enjoy my kids, my grandkids, and um, I threw it at them. I said, Hey, what do you guys think? My kids are really not wanting me to do chemo, especially my son, since his wife they did do chemo on her, but. Uh, but anyway, I just that's just where I'm at, and I just I pray for. If you guys don't mind, just pray for me. Yeah. You know, I appreciate it. Uh, every once in a while, I get it, and it really has been humbling, uh, quite honestly. Um, every once in a while, I get a text from somebody that says we're praying for you, and uh, it just I don't know it makes me stop. The, the 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 man that's the Mormon friend of mine, Charlie, he actually called the other uh, last week and. 
wanted my wife and I to come to their house up in Lee Summit and have lunch and, and just he just wanted to spend some time with us and so I don't know if God will use that as a door to speak with him but anyhow um, it's just been a kind of a neat thing in some ways so and doctors aren't always right <laughs> there you go true, yeah. one of the things that says they're practicing they're practicing <laughs> medicine <laughs> so, so Steve yeah I hope that's perfect All right. thank you guys thank you for listening yeah. so according to uh, your doctors I mean in July you were diagnosed six months to a year so right. according to the doctors you may not be here this time next year may not but my wife has been doing a lot of internet searches and yeah. hey, we four or five years yeah thank you thanks brother none of us know when we might <laughs> well, let me have you look at uh, a passage here. Uh, hi, Sarah. Let's turn to First uh, Timothy. First Timothy, uh, chapter two. Second um, Timothy two. I'm sorry. So uh, let's have just a short little Bible study here. Second Timothy 2. And uh, Pam, would you read verse 2 for us? And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. What, what was it? Second Timothy 2.2, 2, right here. Uh, and uh, who's talking right there, Pam? Uh Somebody's talking to uh, somebody else. Who's talking to who? Uh, Paul. Okay. Let's see if this is... Yeah. So, Paul, who's he talking to? Uh, He's talking to the church. Uh, Well, who's he talking to specifically? Look at verse 1. Timothy. Yeah. Thou therefore my son. So, Paul's talking to Timothy... We call this a pastoral epistle. Timothy was a a pastor of a church. I think he ended up being at Ephesus. But uh, so think about this. Paul is telling Timothy, uh, Timothy, the things that you have heard me preach, and uh, you know, Jim just talked about in Acts where Paul was going to the Gentiles, and Timothy was with him, and so Paul. calls Timothy his son. He's like, son, I want you, the things that you've heard me preach about, uh, he wants you to commit to faithful men. Now think about this. Uh, And so uh, he's like, Timothy, in your church, I want you to speak to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Do you see that? And we don't know who those others are. But uh, see, Heartland Baptist Fellowship is in this line. Paul went to Gentile. We are all Gentiles here. And uh, he tells Timothy, I want you to preach to faithful men. 
this is discipleship. This is what I is what I'm trying to communicate. And if you connect these dots, you could go down to uh, Mark and Lisa Lockwood, and they taught uh, Jim Boyette, and Mark and Lisa taught Steve and Angie, and. Uh, do you see kind of our family tree and so our heritage goes back to this through the apostles and so this thing about discipleship is just very uh, I don't know they can probably see that on the video if you're if you're watching online let me just show you the class here if you guys want to wave we're almost out of time but uh, uh, Jim went ahead and took off to finish up his class but um, I know yeah but uh, so let me just clarify a little bit so in this church excuse me in this church we have uh, these discipleship lessons we call it discipleship one and uh, typically we do that with people who are members of the church uh, or at least attend this church because there's some goals that... Uh, so, so like with life issues, we don't necessarily use discipleship because uh, uh, life issues is kind of a non-denominational outreach of this church. So you can go through the journey home if you're not a member of this church. But once you become it, so even like uh, with you, Alicia, I know you're going through the journey home, and uh, and so I want you to complete that. I and uh, but then if if you if you come to this church uh, after the journey home, it'd be good to do the discipleship because there's some goals. Uh, what are the goals? Who can name one? You guys have been disciple. What do you think, Kelly? What's one of the goals of discipleship? To become a member of. To be in a church body. Okay, so fellowship of believers uh, and fellowship of a local church, those are kind of two little bit separate goals. But the very first one is to be established in the Word of God. Mm -hmm. So we want people reading their Bibles. Uh, And and then the last goal is really to be uh, established in a ministry. And so that's something you can't really do uh, if you're not a member of this church, we want to, you. So it's, it's a growing thing, as uh, you know, as children, you know, grow up, they learn to clean their room and pick up after. Each, well, then they can, you know, get something out of the refrigerator by themselves. There's a growing thing. They can mow the yard, and before long, you can give them the keys. And before long, they get a job. They get married. So it's a whole growth thing. Well, the same is true of discipleship. We want people to grow in their walk with the Lord, and. Um, and so there's some goals. So those are just some goals of discipleship. And, uh, um, you know, Jim said he grew up, uh, like for four years, he drove a bus to Youth for Christ. And uh, essentially, Youth for Christ, I don't know if it's still in existence. It may be. But uh, it's what we call a parachurch organization. And... Uh, and there's some good parachurch organizations. I, th- I would say that's one of them. You might think of the the YMCA. That's uh, really a Christian organization. It's not a church. And so there's some other things. And uh, 
Um, I'm trying to think of some others. Maybe YWAM. even what is it? YWAM, Youth with a Mission. Okay. Uh, Athletes for Christ. Okay. Uh, the Fellowship. What is it? Fellowship. The Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Yeah. 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 Those are great examples. And so they're accomplishing some things for the Lord, and uh, really, even Lily House would be considered. Uh, a parachurch organization. Uh, Life Issues is really uh, under their 501c3, so we're really more part of the church. Rescue Mission? Uh, yeah, but the Rescue Mission. and um, So there's some good things about those, and uh, there's also some things that they can't accomplish. So, But within the church, we, we focus on discipleship, and we really have three levels. Through uh, D1, we have D2, and then we actually have uh, a Bible Institute, uh, Heartland Bible Institute and uh, we have a total of 12 students this year so really for a a small church and uh, Kelly I think you're going to do D2 this fall starts this week next week September 2nd or yeah and uh, Pam is in HBI Uh, how many classes are you taking Pam? I'm just taking two okay so you're taking half a load and and so uh Anyway, and, and you're in the journey home, so we're all... When I'm finished with the journey home, I'm going to do D1. Good. That's that's perfect. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm on, I finally got to chapter 5. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Good. <laughs> you're with... Uh, no, not Laura. Actually... Who are you Linda. with? On Linda. Thursday, we'll, we'll be going over chapter 6. Linda's <laughs> sweet. That's good. <laughs> Well, anyway, I, I wanted to give you this, and uh, I, I kind of, you know, we're, I got saved in 92, so we're a few years behind Jim and some of his experience, but th- those were big things. We, we all had questions. We're coming out of all these denominations, so discipleship really clarified, and it was just so rich to just go to the Bible and uh, learn the Bible. That. You know, just even my own background, 31 years in a different denomination, and it was just rich to get saved, and and I was, we were confused, and we were wrong on many things, and so it was humbling, like, uh, anyway, with with many things, we we were just off doctrinally, and so it's good to uh, be at a church that teaches the Bible, amen? Amen. And so uh, we're glad you're here. It's uh, time to depart. I'm going to go ahead and shut off this. If you give me just a second here.